our series, A String of Pearls, Dutch Buzz contributors speak to people who have made an exceptional contribution to our local community. People whose passion for what they do have had an added value for the city of The Hague. Antoni Heinsbroek recently retired after 40 years of teaching children with special needs and has since amped up his busy volunteering schedule, now mainly focused on helping refugee families feel more welcome in The Hague. What is his motivation for focusing on this community? Well, it is uh, that I realize very much that um, here in this part of the world we are privileged. I feel privileged to be born here, rich, a prosperous country. And I re- realize very much that it is nothing uh, that I deserve one way or the other, but that it is just a matter of sheer luck. And this uh, motivates me to to share with what I have with people who are less fortunate, like refugees who are around us. How easy was it for you to set up um, the kind of initiatives that you've been running? When I was uh, about to start my uh, uh, retirement, when I was still at school, I thought uh, already in terms of uh, getting involved with uh, refugee support, Soon after, I learned that in the parish to which I belong, uh, there was an existing uh, refugee project. And believe it or not, but uh, after just after a year, I was asked to participate and they needed uh, an overall coordinator of the project. So I, I was very pleased that I could step in. Our project is called Hand in Hand and it's uh, one of the projects we have in the Kost, the Church of Our Saviour here in The Hague. It's about welcoming refugees, helping them to integrate, making them feel at home. In the past, you've organized cultural trips. For example, you took a, a group of refugees by bus, along with some local people, to visit the Veluwe National Park. It included a visit to the Grole Müller Museum. How was this received, this trip? People enjoyed it very much because it's really organized for them. So they just had an opportunity to see more of the country, but also to get to know more of us people, because we we tried very hard to get as many volunteers on the trip as uh, refugees, and we tried to organize it in such a way that they could easily uh, get in contact with one another. That is one of the main aims we have, getting people together. So not just uh, getting them to practice speaking Dutch together, but but really creating a sort of mixing of the different communities. Now that you mentioned the speaking Dutch, that is important though, and that is a setback in in the parish, uh, because it's an international parish. And for the refugees in this country, the top priority is to learn Dutch, because that is that enables them to feel at home, to share their feelings and to get in contact with people. As far as I'm concerned, there's always there's an emphasis on, on the language because that helps people to not feel isolated anymore. How many of the, uh, the volunteers who, who joined the trips, how many of them stay in touch? Most of them, but then uh, we also see that uh, some people are not so frequent anymore which is not a bad sign at all, which not not necessarily at least, uh, because it very often means they have found a job 
and they are really uh, busy with uh, settling and um, moving house and if they feel feel happy here and, and things work out then they get more busy and they don't need our help as much uh, as in the beginning aside from the cultural trips i know you've also been organizing some very convivial themed evenings uh, which which have involved music and food uh, often from a, the theme is a different country you're thinking of the what we call soul kitchens soul kitchens are really uh, dinners and again, we have the formula that uh, if we invite 40 people, that we try to get together a number of 40 volunteers, people who already live here and are sort of settled also, so that they can mix and get into contact, uh, in touch with each other. These soul kitchens, uh, that's funny, in the beginning we thought we have refugees from Afghanistan, from Eritrea, from Syria and so on. So let's see if there are some people among them willing to cook for the group. But after a while we realized that in our parish we have uh, Italian community, we have an East African community, we have so many communities. Therefore, also many kitchens. So we had a once we had a French uh, soul kitchen, we had an Italian. So it's not only their kitchen; it's also our kitchen. And every time it's uh, fun because uh, music uh, and and food helps to yeah feel together. Uh, you you've also shared Dutch traditions with them uh, with these families, such as Sinterklaas. Yeah, that's always been very successful. Like last year, this year too, we have people asking. We have friends uh, with a couple of young kids. Can they also come? So there is much interest for it. We come together in one big room and ask Sinterklaas to be there. And then there would be a meal and we would sing Sinterklaas liedjes. They will go home with the present and they will, I'm no doubt, feel very happy. Are there any other initiatives? Sure. Two years ago, exactly two years ago, we started the Praat Café at uh, Lola's in the nor- op North Einde. We invited people, we tried as, to find as many volunteers as uh, refugees, and by inviting them we uh, hope to create an opportunity to get in contact. The whole idea was to help them practice their Dutch. That was fairly successful. But now with Corona, we have had to change the formula. We don't come together anymore since March. We don't come uh, together uh, as a group, but we have tried to to contact the people, uh, the refugees that came, and we keep contact with them by means of uh, WhatsApp uh, video. Personally, I have every week uh, three or four contacts with people like that, and we just uh, talk and they have an opportunity to practice their language. Do you think refugees and refugee families in The Hague are particularly vulnerable for loneliness at the time of a pandemic like now? Yes, uh, they are. You said families. Well, even more than families, I'm thinking of people who live on their own, who are single. We try to do something about it by uh, means of WhatsApp video, but that is nothing compared to real real life contact from doing all this uh, work having all this contact with refugees 
Do you feel you have gained something personally for yourself? You've got something back from it? No doubt about that. You see, now I'm retired and I have no real function anymore in society. And it gives me uh, much pleasure to feel that uh, I can do something meaningful. That may sound, uh, sound nice, but in fact, it makes me happy if uh, tomorrow they would tell me, for some reason, you are uh, not allowed anymore to meet these people. Well, I would be uh, very sad because we have built up nice relations, friendships, but also because I'm deprived of the fun and the happiness I, I gain and I get definitely not just giving it also I, I receive a lot. And also you learn about their countries. I know you're interested, you're very interested in other countries. You lived in Uganda for a while. I'm sure you've learned a lot about Syria <laughs> in these last few years. Not too much though, uh, because sometimes, or I feel that often actually, it is uh, not so easily to talk about the country because it is an open wound, it is um, trauma. Well, I, I ask people uh, sometimes, what was your, uh, what did you learn at school and how far was your school? And like yesterday, we were talking about school uniforms and so on. That is really uh, before the war, but their country, they, it's not something they like to talk about much. There is a growing support in The Hague for political parties that do not welcome immigrants, especially those of a different religion or different skin color. How do you explain this trend? That indeed is a hard question. I have no simple answer to it. You see, there is in, in society, there is a, a group of people, and that is not just in Holland, but that is also in France and in the US, and in, I think in many countries uh, these days, they feel sort of threatened by newcomers, people from abroad coming to share their life with us. And they feel afraid because they may take our jobs or our houses or our uh, women or whatever it is. It's not right at all and it has been uh, always like that, that people move from one country to another, perhaps in our time, day and age, uh, more than ever before, but it has always been the case. When I say in our day, it, it is even more so, I, um, I mean that the inequalities in the world are getting so uh, big, the differences of income, that we cannot blame people uh, who have no future, have no possibilities in their own country, just for that reason to come and live with us, to try their luck and uh, find a future. B because that has always been the way. But uh, these days we have a few extremely rich people and we have lots and lots and lots of people who, who have barely a uh, human life. The inequalities are too big, that uh, worries me, and they're, they're getting bigger every year. The, my hairdresser, he, he was uh, a man like that. And after a while I was so fed up with, uh, with him that I have, uh, in the meantime, chosen another barber. <laughs> but um, 
talking with him, it, it made me think as well uh, about this uh, question. And uh, it is, of course, very complicated. And many of the things that he put forward make sense to some extent. But in situations like this, I think uh, the most important to let your uh, heart speak, to imagine uh, how you would, what, what choices you would make in their uh, shoes. People basically are all the same. That's uh, what I want to say. We are all one. Family man Antoni Heinsburg tells us which Indian-inspired philosophy book shaped his outlook 40 years ago and how he loves to spend his time today. Hint, it involves languages. But first, he told me about the very successful charity founded by his daughters, whose aim is the social inclusion of families with an immigrant background. Our daughters Anna and Marike, they started the Voorlees Express. Yeah, 14 years already. They realize that there are many families uh, where mom and dads don't speak uh, Dutch and they speak their mother tongue, rightly so. But that creates a situation in which children, when they go to school, they start with a, a setback or they are behind. Anna and Marike realized this and they said to themselves, it would be perhaps a simple help if we can visit these families and start reading loud children books the way we were uh, when they were when they were young and uh, fortunately they had good um, memories of that so they were well motivated to introduce that idea and so to say it was well received uh, they noticed that many families were there who enjoyed it and who appreciated it uh, it comes down to a period of 20 weeks during which uh, once a week a volunteer once a week they come and visit the family with a nice uh, with a couple of books and they have fun with the young children sitting next to them and cozy reading the, the books having fun with it all dutch and in this period they also train the parents to do the same so that this becomes a habit in the family and that it can continue after the 20 weeks are over. Antoni, you've brought a book to tell us about, one that's inspired you. Yes, I did. It's, it's a book that I uh, read in the 70s. It's a book by uh, Han Fortman called Oosters uh, Renaissance, so Eastern uh, Renaissance. And it was in the days of uh, much knowledge and wisdom coming from India to Europe and it became a sort of uh, attraction. You remember the time of the Beatles, uh, they went into that stuff as well. And uh, this was a book that for the first time in my life I felt I'm no longer reading, I'm just uh, experiencing all that he is saying. And it was just a very tiny book, but what was in it uh, meant a lot to me. And you've also brought a photograph. Yes, I have a photograph. It's, uh, it's also a photograph that means a lot to me because we're all uh, in it. On it you find my wife and our three children and uh, at that time the four grandchildren that we have. It was taken when, when we were uh, celebrating one of the birthdays. Happy family. You're very active grandparents. Yeah, although uh, these days it's a bit harder of course uh, to just go and visit them. And you have something from your bedside table. 
so it was uh, about 10 years ago that I celebrated actually my birthday then, the 60th. It was a very nice present I got from our children. It's uh, an internet radio. It's a nice uh, little red cute radio, but the fantastic thing about it is that uh, I can, in a wink of an eye, I can listen to the French radio, to the BBC World Service, to any radio station in the world. And it's my, uh, gives me company every day. Uh, France Culture, BBC World Service, Dutch uh, stations, of course. Which one's your favorite? Uh, I think France Culture. <laughs> and finally, I'd ask you to, to nominate somebody who you think would make it on our list of pearls of The Hague for the international community. Uh, so she's called Petra. Petra Volters. She's uh, somebody that I've known for, for the last five years. And she is uh, very actively involved in refugee work here in The Hague as well. She used to work for uh, the Dutch Council for Refugees, but now she is teaching people coming to The Hague with a foreign language and, and who have problems, still have problems with uh, the Dutch language. But besides that, she is having uh, many contacts in, in that world. So it's, it's great company. She is uh, always uh, giving me inspiration. Okay, Antoni Heinsburg, many thanks for a very inspiring talk. It was a pleasure to me. Thank you. That was Antoni Heinsburg, coordinator of the Hand in Hand project of the International Catholic Church in The Hague. I'm Aisha de Caesar for Dutch Buzz. Meet the international community in The Hague. In